Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Woo! I like that. You know, um, you know what day it is, right? You know what Sunday it is, correct? Anybody? No, it's February 3rd. Come on, people, get with the program. Something about Super Bowl. You know, I heard this week that this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, is the least attended church day of the year. Isn't that sad? But not you guys. You, you bring it strong, man. I'm telling you, you show up. You're like, hey, that game, who even cares about the Rams or the, uh, who else is in it? The, sorry, Brandy. Patriots. I mean, come on. Well, we do have some, some you know, left coast people with us today, so they might be Rams fans. I don't know. And, you know, they're, they're probably at least rooting for the home, uh, home state team, you know, and I know Brandy's a Patriots fan, but besides those guys, that, that might be it. I, I don't know, but our Panthers, they, <laughs> well, let's just, let's just move on to today's message. All right, welcome to Connections. There's a, there's a handout that you've been told about a couple times by Jordy and, and also P. Scott. Um, if you'll grab those now, because on one side is a great place to take some notes, and you're not going to want to miss out on what God has for you. Uh, in, in our New Year study, we've been walking through Renewal. Uh, in our lives, and, and that's actually the theme of our year. And so far, we've talked about God renewing a right spirit within us, and, and God, please renew our minds. How many of you need some help with your, your stinking thinking to get rid of that and, and think God thoughts? We, we walked through that part. Uh, Pastor Scott did a great job a couple of weeks ago walking us through renewing our relationships. Woo, boy, that, that hit some toes pretty hard, right? Because we all have relational issues and challenges at one point in time or another in our lives. How many of you had some this week? There's some honest people in this church. I love that. You dealt with some stuff with some people, and you're like, God, I need you to come and help me. And so we walked through that. If you missed that, or even if you were here, go back and listen again and again and again because that's some good truth that we all need. We need God to renew our relationships with everybody in our lives, it seems like, at one point in time or another. And then last week we started on this this subject, renewing a hunger to grow. And as I told you last week, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but, but man, we as God's people, we as Christ followers, we need to have this intense hunger and desire to grow in our walk with him. We don't want to ever get stagnant or stale or stuck. We want to continue to grow up into maturity because that's what God calls us to. He wants us to be mature men and women of God. So if you have an area of challenge there, please go back, check that out. But, but I did want to kind of give a mini recap this morning of the importance of that growth. And, and really, at the end of last week's message, we talked about the disciplines needed for growth. Now, this is Christianity 101, basically. But how many of you know we all need a reminder in the basics on a regular basis? So we're going to kind of pick up right there and then continue on this morning. And, and we talked about those disciplines needed, the essentials that must be a part of our lives that will produce growth and maturity in Christ. And we went through those rather quickly uh, because we had a time crunch. And you know what? I don't care about time. You know, I, I've got to get to that place where it doesn't matter. You guys are locked in here now. I, I don't think you knew that, but once you get in, we lock, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can't get out. Just kidding. But, but I kind of went through those quickly, and, and with doing so, I, I want to just go back and remind you of what those are as we begin our time together this morning in the Word. 
But along with that, and even as important as that, I want to let you know that there's something that goes with these disciplines that is just as crucial as the disciplines themselves. And that is the importance of having a right heart and a right spirit behind them. Some of you are scratching your head saying, okay, I don't really know what you're talking about there, but here's what I mean by that. And, and, and I've encountered some people along the way in my life that had these disciplines down that we're going to walk through in just a few moments ago, the, the prayer, the word, and all those things that, that help us to become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. They've had those disciplines down. I mean, like clockwork, they were up early, and they were in their word, and they were, they were going to town praying, and they were doing all of those things. But what, what, what I've encountered with a few people is that along with those disciplines, they did not have the right heart to go with them. And so what happens is when we don't have that right godly heart to go with the disciplines, what, what, what takes place is it becomes a dry ritual instead of a life-giving and life-changing time with God. It, it really boils down to this. It's just boxes we check off. Yep, got up, did my devotion, I prayed, I read my word, and now I'm off for the day. I, I, yes, sir, got it done, God, and, and I'll see you tomorrow morning. It's not what it's supposed to be. And it shows clearly as they become more, and check this out, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day and time, and, and they, they're full of, of the spiritual, even biblical knowledge, but as, as he called them on, on multiple occasions, he said, your hearts are far from God, from me. And, and he even said at one point in time, you're like whitewashed tombs. You, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. There's nothing but dead, dried up bones inside of you. There's no spirit of God residing in you with the disciplines that you have. I mean, these, these guys were so serious about, about the Old Testament word that they had that they would even make these things called phylacteries, which were these small little leather boxes, like a, a cube box. And they would strap it to their heads where the box was on their forehead. And what they would do is they would microscribe the word of God, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that Moses penned through God's anointing, and they would write those things as tiny as they could on little tiny sheets of paper and stuff them in that box and strap it to their heads. Wow. That's pretty unique, huh? Hey, dude, what's that on your head? I mean, that puts a new definition to we follow the law, right? Because it's right here on their forehead. But listen to me. It didn't transform them. There was no change. Instead, what it did was produce some sort of what we would call religious pride. Oh, look at me. Look how well I'm doing. And, and, and so along the way through the years, I've run across people that had that same challenge. They, they did their devotions. They, they prayed. They spent time with God. They showed up at church. But there was never the right heart behind it. There was never the right spirit there to go with that and, and help it become all that it should each and every day. So instead of having that kind of mentality and that kind of ritualistic approach to it, we should approach these, these disciplines as joyful relationship builders. Would you write that on your, your outline somewhere? Joyful relationship builders. They are avenues to grow in our walk with God himself. We should approach them with passion and excitement, not kind of a drudgery. Well, I'm up today at five and I'm going to get in my word. And well, I got to get up tomorrow morning at five and I'll get in my word and I'll pray. And, and I, you know, not that you're looking forward to it. It's not something you say, I can't wait to be there. I'm going to tell you something. Every week we, we look forward with anticipation and excitement and eagerness to be right here on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock in this building with you guys. 
I'm going to be honest with you. As your pastor, as one of your pastors, I don't do it out of drudgery, man. There's a passion. There's an excitement. Many of you have heard me say that I can barely sleep on Saturday nights because I just can't wait to get here. And that's the kind of approach that we've got to have with the disciplines that we're called to. We need to see each waking moment as an opportunity to walk with God and get to know him more and more and more. That's why we were created in the first place. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, the first man and woman, remember those guys? The Bible tells us in Genesis that he would come down in the cool of the day. Smart God. Wait till it cooled off a little bit. Come down and take a stroll with his prized creation. He would walk with them and he would talk with them and he would say, how was your day today? What's going on in your lives? Even though he already knew it, but he wanted to hear them share it with him. He invited them to, to speak to him and let him know what was going on and he would speak back to them and what, a, what an amazing time. And church, I'm begging you this morning, if we as the people of God, whom he loves just as much as he did, those very first people he put in the garden, Adam and Eve, would just get to that point where we joyfully anticipate and look forward with eagerness each and every day that our eyes are going to open up. We get a new day to spend with him and to get to know him. To commune with our God. And it just flips our switch. That Christmas can't even compare with that. I mean, you still get excited about Christmas. I know you ladies do long about, you know, July when they start showing the Hallmark movies. I mean, you start early with that, guys. And the anticipation just builds. And then when it's over, you're like, oh, it's only four more months till they start showing the movies again. Oh. Lord, help us have that hunger and desire to cultivate these disciplines in our lives. That we look forward to these with great excitement, these growth builders. And I just want to run through them again and share with you what, what these are. And wherever you're at, I, I'm asking you, don't get satisfied. Instead, grow in these relationship builders. The first one is develop a strong and consistent prayer life. Because as we all know, healthy communication is the key to every growing relationship. It amazes me how God brings people of all walks of life into this church family. And I love watching one of the miracles that takes place as relationships just begin to pop up with, with you guys, uh, it, it, you know, amongst yourselves. And, and just naturally just kind of God brings people together. And, and, and you've got the Lisas and the Mimis. I mean, there's an age difference there of about, you know, 70 years, I think. Just kidding, Mimi. But these guys are as thick as thieves, as they say. I mean, they just, just have that bond, that friendship, and, and, and it happens all over this congregation with, with many of you who dare to step out and say, God, I want to get to know people. And one of the heartbeats of a relationship is communication, where you're talking on the phone with each other, you're emailing, you're texting you, something funny happens, you can't wait to hit that button to send it to that certain person, those certain people, and, and that's how relationships work. And God, the, the God of the universe that created the heavens and earth and all that's in it and everything beyond our imagination and our even knowledge of what's out there, says to us, come and talk to me. Come and get to know me. Come and pour your heart out to me and, and let's, let's grow together in our walk with each other. And also Bible study, self-feeding, it's the truth. We know that sets us free and God's word is the truth. And as a matter of fact, it's the way, the truth, and the life. That's who God is and Jesus was the word incarnate. Someone was talking to me a couple weeks ago and asked me in a conversation how they can know what's right in their lives and how to distinguish between the lies of the enemy and the truth of God's word, to which I replied that people who train to spot counterfeit money. Maybe you've heard this before. 
but people who train to spot money that is not authentic government issued. They don't study the counterfeit money. They study the real thing. They intimately know every detail of that $20 bill, that $50 bill, that $100 bill. And they get to know it so well that when a counterfeit comes along, whoop, 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 their radar goes off. And they know without a doubt that is not legal. It's not legal tender. Folks, in the same way, we should know the word of God. So when the enemy comes trying to sell us that pile of counterfeit money, the alarm bell goes off and we know. What about church and small group regular attendance? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. also tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and so much more as we see the day approaching. What day is that? What is it? The coming of the Lord, the, the second coming of Jesus when he takes us out of this place. And the Bible says as that day gets closer and closer to us, stop hanging out with each other as believers, right? Don't go to church. Don't go to connect group. Don't be with other believers. Don't do it. Just stay home in your own little lane. Stay in your lane, bro. Forget about fellowship. Forget about connection. You say, I'm pastor, you know, I've heard this before. Yeah, you've heard it before. But I can't stress to you enough how important it is to stay connected to the body. God ordained the church. This is his family. We are his bride. And he, I'm telling you, some people say, well, Pastor, I can be a Christian and not be belong to a church or not go to church. Man, I don't even know about that. Woo, man, that's a big statement. I'm just saying I don't know about it. <laughs> but I do know this. God said show up to grow up. God said don't forsake the assembly of yourself. If God says something, do you think we want to listen to it as, as his believers, as his people, as his family? I'm telling you, I can't stress enough because what happens is, as we move ourselves away from the fire of fellowship, as we walk back from our, our commitments to one another, as we kind of disappear into the woodwork of this world, what happens is our faith takes a big hit, and the next thing you know, it's diminishing more and more and more. When we're out there alone trying to do it on our own, the next thing you know, this world will have us in its grips, and we will be back out where we was before, and probably even worse than we were before. God's saying, I want you to be together. And here's the other argument I hear so many times. Well, you got a bunch of hypocrites coming at church. Hey, exactly we do. At least we're honest enough to admit it. But each and every week we're praying that those hypocrites will catch the fire of the Holy Spirit and God will change them from the inside out and they will be transformed from glory to glory to glory and no more will they live that lie. But I'm telling you something, I'm not closing the door on the church because a few hypocrites come in the door. We need each other. And I'm going to tell you, like Jesus told a group of guys that was about to throw some rocks at a certain someone, you that's without sin, you go ahead and cast the very first stone. We all sin this week. Newsflash, you're going to sin again this coming week. I don't think on purpose. Because you're just not that kind of person, but somebody going to cut you off in traffic. You're going to have a bad thought about them. Your husband or wife. <laughs> well, you know the rest of that one. Um, listen, I'm telling you, belonging to a church family is crucial. And despite what a lot of people want to say, it's not optional. What about worship? Worship is giving God the glory and honor and praise that he alone deserves, and we should live our life, lives as worship unto him. Part of that is singing and his music and celebration. I'm telling you, 
If you come into the house of God like this one, and, and, and the worship in music and song does not move your needle, your meter's broke. Bump that thing, hit it with a hammer, do something, go take it to the, to the mechanic in the sky and say, help me, Lord. That's just a part of it, though. The, the, the whole of our lives should be to give God glory. I'm just going to break it down for you. Well, you remember when www.com hit, hit many years ago when the, the whole Internet thing and the World Wide Web just came on the scene? How many of you are old enough to remember that? And this section is like, what do you speak of there, my, my great pastor? The Lord hit me with this, worship, word, witness, and community. Worship, word, witness, and community, 25 years ago. Worship, word, witness, and community. That is the core essentials of who we are and what we're to be about as God's people. And if we miss that, we've missed everything. And that's why God says, don't miss it. I want you to be worshipers. I want you to be, be worshiping. I want you to be witnessing. I want you to be giving your lives away and, and building that community, that fellowship. What about giving? Giving is following the example of God. He's the ultimate giver. And when we truly learn to give in every aspect, our time, our talent, our treasure, and figure out that we don't own anything, we just get to manage and steward the blessings of God in our lives, then it changes how we give and what we give. God calls us to live lives of giving sacrificially and joyfully, just as he has modeled himself for us. For God so loved the world that he... Oh, you've heard that one before, huh? Gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm going to tell you something. God is the model giver that we should follow in every way. And I'm not that pastor that says, give me $100 a day and God's going to return back a million to you next. Well, I'm not that. But I'm the pastor to tell you, give as God gives and watch what God does. And then what about service and ministry? When we jump into the game and get out of the stands and begin to serve and minister, we experience incredible growth in our walk with God and in our lives. It's amazing how much it will stretch us and push us to completely rely on and trust in God to be able to give something to others in the way of ministry and service. And I'll go as far as this this morning and, and every other morning if you want to ask me and, and say that any disciple of Christ who is not serving in a ministry area is not ever going to come close to fulfilling their potential and growing into a mature man or woman of God. You're not going to get there by not serving, by not ministering, by not, you know, doing something to help the cause of Christ and move the ball down the field just a little closer to the end zone. You like that little Super Bowl reference, didn't you? Just kind of snuck that one in. That's what it's all about, folks, giving our lives away. God doesn't bless us just to hoard it up. He doesn't bless us with talents just to keep them to ourselves and say, I'm just going to I'm just going to sing to myself in the car. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank me for giving me this talent. You know, no. You get out and use what you've got. If you've got a smile, you give it to somebody. If you've got creative writing skills and you start writing cards and notes and letters and you start just blessing, God put you on my heart. I wanted to, to share this with you and I wanted to bless you today because you need to know that he has an amazing plan for your life and God wanted me to share that with you in this little note 
Do whatever you can. If you can come and clean up the church, come and clean up the church. If you can cut the grass, cut the grass. If you can change a light bulb, change a light bulb. If you can stand at the front door and welcome people as they come in, do that. Serve a cup of coffee. Work with our amazing children in the back there, our student ministry. Take up a, an offering with, with the usher offering place. Whatever you can do, do it as under the Lord. Coach kids in basketball. Come on out. we got about 70 of them every weekend here in this gym on Saturdays. Whatever we can do. God's called us to serve and minister and give our lives away. And then the next one is simply sharing our faith. And this last discipline we want to spend a few moments of time in, in the rest of our time this morning. There's a huge call for us in growing as a disciple, into growing to the point that we are able to share our faith and partner with God in bringing people to Christ. Jesus makes this need known in many different places. One of those places in John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that chapter. And, and, and the plea from Jesus comes as he's changing the life of a woman who, who is well, well known around town for all the wrong reasons. She, she's a sinner, been married multiple times, and the guy she's living with right now is not even her husband. She's not even married to him. She's just hanging out with him in the same house. She's an outcast. She's become a joke in her town. But Jesus sees her differently than anyone else. And he wanted his disciples and us to do the same with people we come across in our lives. I want to ask you four questions about our hearts for the harvest. Harvest, number one, are we looking? Do we see as Jesus sees? Because in this chapter, in John chapter 4, he says to his disciples, later on down in the story, he says to them, look, you say that the harvest is going to take four months to, to come, but I say look now because the harvest is white and ready to be brought in. So there's a big difference when we just look with our natural eye or we look with the eyes of God and we see truly what's going on because here this lady comes and Jesus had sent his disciples away to go gather some food and, or they had went away to go gather some food. I don't know if he sent them, if they went on their own or whatever. They were hungry, you know, like us. They're always thinking, what's next? What's next? What's next? What about Taco Bell? No, that, that messes with me some. I, I'm not going there. What about, you know, so they go get food and Jesus is hanging around in this town and this lady comes to the well where he had went to get a drink of water and, and all of a sudden he strikes up a conversation with her. You see, the interesting thing is she coming in the heat of the day when, when everybody else is at home. They all used to go early in the morning to beat the heat and get back. But she learned a long time ago, I'm not going to get at that time because the other lady, ladies of the town, they're going to they're gonna make fun of me. They're going to talk about me. They're going to put me down. They're going to call me names. And she had had enough of that. And so she's there and drawing her water basically on her own. And she's surprised when... This stranger strikes up this conversation. But you see, Jesus sees her differently than everyone else had. He sees beyond the sins, beyond the bad choices, beyond the mistakes. He sees the hurt. He sees this as one of the people that, that God created that, that, that they love dearly. And he sees more than anything that he wants to rescue her from all of that. Nobody else could see that in her except for him, apparently. So he stopped. He got, got something to drink. He strikes up this conversation. And, and, and I want to ask this question. What if he would have just looked at her like everyone else did? And how often are we guilty of that, that people we, we cross paths with, that everybody else is ridiculing and, and, and making fun of and, and putting down and talking about, and, and, and what do we do, join in, or do we, do we see them differently and say, wait a minute, that's a valued creation of God. I don't care how many bad choices they've made. I don't care how many bad decisions. I don't care how many sins they've committed because I've committed a bunch of myself. So, so I want to see them as God sees them. 
Funny thing is, is everything he does here, we desperately need to do in our lives. And, and I want to say this. Everyone we come into contact with will fall into one of two categories. And no, it's not male or female, <laughs> although that's kind of a crazy subject right now, even though that's still the reality of life. It's either male or female, but let's table that discussion for now. But everyone we lock eyes with, we cross paths with, will fall into one or two categories, and that is either saved or lost. Does that make sense to you like it does me? And so we need to look at everyone as either one of those two things. His disciples didn't seem to get this because when they get back from, from getting some food for them to eat, they, they come to Jesus and they're like, hey, man, you know, we've got some lunch. And we went to Chick-fil-A. They were open. It's not Sunday. So we got us all some lunch and we brought it back. And he's like, I have food to eat you you know not of. So they're all kind of scratching their heads thinking, did somebody go to KFC for him? Has he got, has he got some? That's not Jesus' chicken. I mean, you know, what's he, what's he thinking about? But he's trying to get them to see as he sees. He's trying to open their eyes to the fact that there's more important things than just having lunch. And we all enjoy lunch and, and like to eat, right? How many of you enjoy eating in this room? Let me see your hands. I mean, I want to, this is a serious poll right now. I need to know how many of you enjoy eating good food? It's a pretty good number. It's growing by the second. Yeah, I, I do, I do, yeah. Somebody just woke up, they just nudge you. I know, you're just kind of behind on it, but. But he's saying, I, I need you to learn to see the opportunities around you. That can happen anywhere at any time. And I need you to learn to put off the, the natural wants and desires of this life to, to sit down and have a meal. When somebody is right there in front of you who is hurting lost and lonely and in desperate need of somebody to come along and just love them. Just love them. Just lock eyes with them as a valued creation of God instead of treating them as a piece of garbage of this world. So I ask you again, how are we seeing? Do we see as Jesus or we see as the world sees those around us? And then secondly, are we caring like Jesus? Because that's what drove Jesus in this, all of this. He, he cared for her. He had compassion on her. And he took the time to literally change her life. And here's what happened. I mean, this kind of blows me away. He spends this quality time with her. He's speaking into her life. He's, he's looking into her soul. And he's letting her know that there is hope. And man, do we need hope. People are dying every day because they have given up on ever having any hope in their lives. And Jesus sees that, and he speaks to that in her heart. And here's what happened. This blows me away. I think I've said that already. This same woman who had spent who knows how many years running away from the people of that town catches fire, catches fire, hope springs life in her. And instead of running from them and avoiding them and hiding from them, she begins to run all throughout that city, screaming as loud as she can, come and meet a man, come and meet a man, come and meet a man who told me everything about my life and changed me for all of eternity. I've met him, you've got to come and meet him too. Man, I love that. That is the type of transition 
That is the kind of transformation that only Jesus Christ can bring to any heart in life who will open up and grab a hold of it. And that comes from just caring for people. Those of you that are listening, either in this room or outside of this room right now, I want to ask you this. Let me qualify it. Those of you that are already Christians, as we call it, do you remember the moment you first surrendered to Christ and said yes to Jesus? August 3rd, 1983, I stopped running from God and I ran to Him at a youth retreat at First Assembly of God in Gastonia, G-Town of all places. God still works miracles in Gastonia. Hunter Huss, boy, even greater miracle. And I ran to God and I threw myself down on the altar in front of that church and, and I wept and I cried and I repented and I pled for Jesus to come in and save me from my sins and they were many. And I will never forget I cried for hours that night. When I got home and walked in the door, I was weeping still. And, and my dad looked at me and said, son, you, what's wrong? I said, I got saved tonight, dad. Jesus changed my, oh, that's great. And okay. And he just walked into his room. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know Jesus. But let me ask you this. Do you remember the joy that flooded into your heart and your life that all that stuff, all that junk this world wants to put on you, in you, just whoosh, gone. And do you remember that you could not wait to go tell somebody? You had to tell somebody. Like Don Francisco, you sing, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. That's the same thing that was birthed into this young lady's heart and life. That when she was radically transformed by the power and the care and the love of Jesus Christ, man, it just blew up in her life. And she quit running away from people and ran to them and said, come and meet this man. you got to. I'm telling you, folks, there's nothing like caring about God and caring about people. And then are we praying like Jesus prays? Because in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he tells the disciples this same description again in a different scenario about the harvest being plentiful and the laborers being few. And he directed his disciples in this passage of Scripture in Luke's writing that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. Call upon God. God, we need people to come and to go. Do you realize this? And this is going to just cause you to drop your teeth. So clench them tight so you don't do that because we don't want teeth falling all over the ground in this building. So, so do you realize this? Now, hold on to your chair, too. I mean, you might want to grab the side of the chair or, or something, but do you realize this, that you might want to just put your arm around your neighbor, too, to help hold them down because they might fall out of their seat when I say this, but do you realize this? And some of you are like, just get to it. Okay, I will then if you ask. Okay, do you realize this? <laughs> I couldn't resist one more. Do you realize this, that less than 10% of Christ's followers have ever led someone to Jesus Christ themselves. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. It's the big one. Less than 10%. Why? 
Why is that? Are we praying like Jesus? Lord, send more laborers. Laborers are Christ followers. They're the ones that are qualified to go out and bring in the harvest that's white and ready. Are we praying like that? I, I had the, the blessing of being able to have breakfast with Pastor Scott and Joseph uh, a few days ago. And as we gathered there and we're about to partake of some grits. Mm-mm, don't you just love some grits? And even better, some liver mush. Woo! Doggies, that's some good stuff. Got to be fried crispy, though. You know, I don't like no mush. Anyway, but we were about to eat and, and said, Pastor Scott, won't you pray over a meal? He asked the Lord to bless our food. I mean, you know, standard stuff for Christians, right? Anyway, here's what, what I loved. He said, Lord, bring people across our paths today that need you. And let us be ready to share you with them. <laughs> now think about that. What if this 250... 300 people in this building began to pray that each day. Each morning, we get out of bed and say, Lord, thank you for another day. How amazing you are and worthy of all my... I want to live my life to honor you today, to, to bring glory to you and God. I'm not asking you to build my bank account. I'm not asking you to put a Porsche in my driveway. I'm not even asking you to give me a garage to put it in. <laughs> I'm asking you... To let me cross paths with as many people today that I can that need you desperately. And let me be ready to deposit something of you, your truth, your love, your word, your power, your presence into their lives. Let me be a part of bringing this great harvest in these last days. And I think you would agree with me. Boy, it's greater than ever before right now. What if we began to pray that way? And then are we going like Jesus? I want you to write this down on your outline if you're still taking notes, and I hope you are. The sender was sent for us. I mean, we, we talked about that verse a few moments ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent G Jesus, agreed to come, knowing what was going to take place, that he was going to live as a man for 33-some-odd years, and, and then he was going to be brutally beaten and savagely killed on Calvary's cross. He was going to spill his blood. He was going to be mocked and ridiculed, and they were going to pluck the, the hairs out of his beard, and they were going to press this crown of thorns upon his, upon his head. They were going to stick this spear in his side, and guess what? He said, yes, sir, I will go. Whatever it takes to rescue Lost and dying and hopeless people, I'm there. And so, as he gets ready to go back to heaven, he has his disciples gathered there after the, the crucifixion. And thank God the third day resurrection came. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. When he huddled them boys up, here's what he said to them. I'm about to get out of Dodge. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare this amazing place for all of my people, God's family, to come and reside for eternity. But here's what you're going to do. I mean, you remember this. Here's how it went. Go! Go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and change your world. Go and preach the gospel. Go and live the faith. Go and love and go and serve and go and give. Go. Go. Go, go, go. Into the fields 
that are white and ready to be harvested. Are we going like Jesus? We've been commissioned. And I want to remind you the last four things on your outline. The time is now. The time is right now. The analogy that Jesus used about them saying it takes four months and then you can harvest references the time that it typically takes to grow a crop from seed to sickle. But Jesus was saying to them, the crop of lost people is ready right now. I'm going to tell you something we tend to really be good at, and that's this thing called procrastination. You ever kind of notice that? Yeah, why well, do today what you can put off till tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. No, it's not great, Angie, but it's not that bad. We love us some tomorrow, don't we? Oh yeah, Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna get right on that tomorrow. The time is now. I mean, I'm telling you, the time is now. I'm, I'm not talking like this afternoon at three o'clock. I'm talking about the time is right now. I'm talking about when you before you even leave this room, God may have you go to somebody in this room and say, Hey, here's what the Lord just put on my heart for you. I just want to share that with you. I feel like God has this great thing for you or has has this word for you. I just this encouragement for you, whatever. I mean, the time is now. So you just like, I might just get up and go to him right now. P. Rob, just don't don't mind me. I'm gonna take care of business right now. Or it could be as soon as we dismiss, you don't go. You don't go down to the old, the old KFC. No, instead, you get in your car and you drive across town to that person that God is saying, the time is now. Go to them. The harvest is plentiful. Today we live in the most lost population, I believe, in the history of our nation. Or at least equal to Noah's days, maybe. There's so many factors as to why. I believe it's to do with the rise of false religion, the loss of respect and hunger for the things of God, the, the sin that slowly moved from the back streets to parading down Main Street. But I believe that the biggest cause of this is that the church has slipped into a place of apathy and self-involvement and forgotten that we are truly to be the light of the world. We are to be the light of the world, as Jesus said, and we are to be the salt of the earth. And I want to tell you this morning, when the light grows dim, the world gets dark. Is that not right? And when the salt loses its saltiness, guess what happens? Decay sets in. See, most of you in this room don't know anything about before refrigeration was here, when you could walk into your kitchen and, and man, you had a screen on your refrigerator. You could even order groceries through that, that smart refrigerator you got and all that stuff. And, and man, you open up the doors and, and your, your sun drops were good and cold. You open up the... The freezer drawer, which is at the bottom now on some frame, I mean, it's just crazy hiding that drawer from us all over the place. But you open up that freezer, your hot pockets are good and frozen, ready to go in the microwave. Some of you know about me and hot pockets, right? You've heard that. Two minutes, man, you're eating a pizza or a Philly cheesesteak. You can even get a hot pocket, got some eggs and bacon in that sucker. I mean, it's endless. But let's, let's move on. That's not what I'm here to preach about today, hot pockets. But, man, you got that refrigerator. But before refrigeration, salt was used to cure and preserve meats. I, I hear tell my, my, my parents when they were still living and tell me stories about my granddad would hang. He would get, get a hog. Let's just say butchered. <laughs> Clean it up a little bit. 
and get it cut up into, 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 into sausage and, and pork chops and all the good stuff we enjoy. And he would hang the meat on the back porch curing in salt so it wouldn't go bad. When the church stops being the salt of the earth, sinful decay sets in and begins to spread like wildfire to the point that we are in the shape we're in today. I firmly believe the church is time for us to rise up in the glory and the honor and the power and the majesty of Christ himself and be the church and be the light and be the salt that pushes back the decay and the death that's creeping in all around us, church. That's what God is saying to us right now. And whatever's happened in the past, I just, can I preach just for another minute? Whatever's happened in the past, bury that under the blood of Jesus Christ. Let it be gone from your life. And from this moment forward, with every day that God gives you on this planet, would you rise up and say, God, I want to be the ambassador you want me to be. I want to be the spokesperson. I want to be the Christian you want me to be. I want to be that light. I want to be that salt. I want to give everything I have from this moment on until you call me home to bring in the white harvest that's ready to make a difference in somebody's life, in many people's lives, whatever I can do, Lord. I don't care about denomination. I don't care about politics. I don't care about any of that stuff except raising the banner high of Christ, him crucified and raised again on the third day and giving my life to see the glory of God restored. That's what... Jesus was calling for when he said, look, look all around you right now. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Now is the time for God's people to cry out to him and say, God, forgive me for whatever that stuff is in your life. Renew me. And send me out as your preacher, your missionary, your ambassador, your model, your spokesperson. Everything you want me to be to this world around me. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment with me? As we finish this time in the Word. Before we say prayer, I want to ask this. Two things right now. If you're in this room or outside of it, watching my live feed or going to hear this podcast or whatever, every eye closed in this room, please, if you're in within the sound of my voice and you're saying, you're confessing right now, Lord, I I haven't lived a fully surrendered life to you myself. You may be part of the, the harvest that's ready. And you say this morning, this is your time. The time is now for you to cross that line and say yes to following Jesus with your whole life. Would you just, in this room at least, and let us know as soon as possible if you're listening right now. But those of you in this room, would you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm making a decision to give my life to Jesus Christ fully and completely right now. Can I see your hands across this room right now in this moment? Nobody else looking but just me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Who else? Just raise your hand and say, that's, 
That's me as well. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Who else? Jesus done so much for me. The least I can do is surrender my everything to him. Live for him. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Who else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Who else? How many others would say yes to Jesus today? Fully and completely. No turning back. This is my time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. How many of this room would say, this is the second thing. Simply say, I want to be all that God wants me to be. I want to care, love, pray, go. I want to do all these things that God is calling me to do as a part of his family. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to become strong in him, not for my benefit alone, but for the benefit of his glory, his kingdom, and those around me who desperately need him. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. I just want you to get up from where you're at and walk up here and meet me at the front of this platform. Would you come now all across this room and say, that's me. That's me. That's my life. That's my choice. I'm deciding that right now. Come on. Come on. God's dealing with many of you in this room right now. Would you come now? Would you say, I'm putting aside everything else that's happening. You know what? Nothing has happened to me that's greater than what happened to Jesus. And while he was hanging there, breathing his last dying breath, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Don't get caught up in the minutia as we have all been guilty of in this, this life of getting stuck, getting stagnant. Getting contaminated. How many more would just come and stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ right now across the front of this church? How many more would just come and, and, and join them as in, as in you want to be prayed for, but, but also come and rally around them and, and spend some time praying with them and for them? This is your family here, folks. Some of them are new members that are coming in today. There's about five people that raised their hand and said, I am committing to Jesus Christ today. Now is my time. I surrender all to him. How many of you come? Matter of fact, just, just get up from where you're at and come on down. I don't care if you're feeling anything or not. I believe by the time you get down here, the Holy Spirit is going to do something profound in your heart and life today if you'll make your move and come right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we honor you. We bless you today. As they begin to sing this quietly, I want to pray over you that have come down to the front of this church right now. Everybody else, stand to your feet across this room. If you're not down here and you want to come down here, jump on in. Man, the water's great. Don't miss out. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're coming to set a fire in us, your people here in Connections. And whether that whittles our army down to 20 or 25 or 30, then that's fine because you'll take the 20 or 25 and 30 and you'll change the world with it. God, just like you did so many times before when, when, when great men of God were called to step up from the shadows and, Lord, they thought they were going to take a huge army with them but no you said you're not going to get that many you're going to take a small number and you're going to watch me do what I do I don't know what's going to happen but I do know this God we need your fire today more than ever before we need holiness to come back into our hearts and lives our churches our homes God our, our communities Lord our towns our, our state our nation our world God we need the fire of the spirit of the living God to come down take a, a coal off the altar and God touch it to our hearts touch it to our lips touch it to our minds and, and God ignite us from the inside out and do a work of transformation of eternal change in us and through us God come and set that fire come and come and spark that blaze God and fan the flame and let it burn brighter and brighter so that we'll be that city on a hill God we'll be that shining light that that people look to and say there's God there's the glory of God there's the presence of God come and do that today Jesus we surrender everything to you right now we call out for forgiveness, God. Come and cleanse us right now. Oh, Lord, come and have your way. 
And I pray that from this day forward, there will be a hunger and a desire to grow in you, to grow in your word, God. That our prayer life just, just goes out of control. That we're, we're, we're truly following the word and says, pray without ceasing. Never give up, God. And I believe that in this room, God, there are people that, that you have assignments for yet to come. I know some personally that have, have worked diligently for years and years and years, and, and they're in a season of transition. But I speak to that season of transition right now, and I speak dreams to be birthed during that time, God. That, that new, new ministry to rise up, God, a new calling, a new vision, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit to come. I, I know that there's some in this room that think their, their, their better days are behind them, but it's not, God. That from this moment forward, you're going to do more in these latter days than you ever did in the former days. God, let it be. Let the fire of your spirit come. Burn in us. Burn through us, God. Ignite us, Lord, by your power. Would you sing this with us? Come and light a fire, Holy Spirit. Set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain. No, I can't control. I, that's the key, folks. We want more of you, Lord. More of you brings more fire. Yes, Lord. Woo! Thank you, God. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.